Unlock the secrets of the unknown. Join us on a thrilling journey as we delve into the mysterious realm surrounding Area 51, where classified experiments meet conspiracy theories. Brace yourself for a podcast that unravels the enigma, challenges reality, and takes you beyond the boundaries of the ordinary. Are you ready to explore the secrets hidden within the confines of Area 51? Tune in and prepare for a mind-bending adventure. Tonight on Newsworthy, two words and two question marks. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks why should you work with ed Locke? A better question is, why wouldn't you work with him? He is a proud to support an amazing lender, USA Mortgage. When you work with them, you can expect a home financing experience that is free of hassles and headaches. They have complete control over your loan due to in-house operations such as processing, underwriting, closing, and funding. USA Mortgage represents a lot of fantastic things but they are especially thrilled to partner in several community outreach programs, including Habitat for Humanity, Home Sweet Home, Veterans Community Project, and many, many more. They love going to work every day, which means they love working for you. Ed wants to be your lender for life, so reach out to him today and get the journey started. If you would like more information, please reach out to Edlock at area code 502-680-0953. NMLS 448-908, USA Mortgage NMLS 227-262. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions may apply. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hello, guys. We are back again. Hopefully without the smells. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they're gone. <laughs> yeah, see, if if we had a Patreon, people would know what we was talking about. Yeah, if, if you want a Patreon, just send us an email. Let us know. <laughs> then you get to see all the good stuff. And even hear all of Jerry's really, really bad dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, good dad jokes that just, are just inappropriate. Just right? <laughs> Speaking of, did you know you really have to hand it to short people? Really? Seriously, you have to. They can't reach it. (laughs) Wow. You just pissed off so many folk. (laughs) Sorry about that. One of which is my wife. She was so mad at me the other day. She was. Yeah, I bought a revolving chair. Okay. She finally got set in it, though, and she's coming around. Okay. <laughs> Slow 
surely. She's getting there. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad, bad. That was the smell, was that joke right there. Probably. That was bad. Speaking of my wife, I was I was kind of feeling depressed this week. You were? Yeah. Oh. So my wife put her hand on my shoulder and said, Earth. Earth? It meant the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if my dad joke wasn't so bad, <laughs> I would have to say something. But I have nothing. I, nothing. <laughs> I, I can't. No. <laughs> can't say nothing. Ooh, an ember. Yeah, man. I know. We, just, we got that right when I was. I'm just trying to. There's so much acronyms. I'm trying to figure out what the heck it is. No idea. Child abduction, amber alert. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for those listening, we just got an amber alert over our, over the phone. <laughs> Does it tell you who they're looking for? They tell me the suspect, the car. I have no idea who got abducted. Some child. Mm. No. Was some five foot nine, two hundred pound, white male. Yeah. Uh, is the suspect. If they wanted those to be more accurate, they would drop the acronyms and just write it out. Yeah. Certain things you just don't need the acronyms. Yeah. Government. <laughs> I just don't understand some of the government things sometimes. Well the government loves acronyms, don't they? They sure do. You know, it's, su- it's super cool though that that goes to everybody's phone in the area. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone. And that's that's so super cool. Let, y'all want to hear a funny story? We have time. Yeah. Okay. So Lived in Colorado, was a store manager out there for a company called Duckwall Alco at the time. Uh, lived in a little town called Fort Morgan. Uh, little hole in the wall, piss-ass town. East of Denver, about 100 miles. It was so expensive there. Now, this was 15, 20 years ago. So expensive there. Um, all I could afford as a store manager was like a 30-year-old mobile home to live. If you live in Fort Morgan, Colorado, or Denver area, you know how expensive it is, even back then. All of my employees worked two or three jobs. It, it was bad. I get a call from my wife at the time. Um, Joshua was missing. That's one of my sons. And I'm like, what do you mean Joshua was missing? She goes, he's gone. I have no idea where he's at. I can't find him. He's didn't have any clothes on. It's the middle of winter. Um, I don't know where he's at. I was like, and I worked about 15 minutes away. I said, call the police. I'm on my way home. She calls the police. By the time I get home, 15 minutes, there is already a enormous police presence there. We're talking 20 cars probably. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because we lived about five, 10 minutes from the interstate. Um, and so we get there. I get there. There's cops all over the place. Now, 30-year-old mobile home. It's like, I don't uh, two-bedroom. It's very small. So there's like 30 people going through this house looking for, for Joshua. And then uh, they're going out into the garage. They've already got a boat, a guy in a truck, because that this particular place I live was a mobile home park. They had their own sewage treatment thing there. So they had a guy in a boat getting ready to go there and start going oh, through wow. the water. They had already shut down the interstate, both sides. Oh my goodness. And they had for the very first time in Colorado history enacted the Amber Alert system for Joshua. He was the very first one in Colorado. Wow. And uh so we're going through and at this point, we're talking 5, 10, 15 minutes since the initial call. So it's probably 30 minutes after I got home. So 
they've already started talking to us like we're suspects. Okay, I mean it's they're they're trying to find out what's going on right now, and they're talking to to my wife at the time. And again, I can't stress to you how small this mobile home was, right? And so I'm walking through the hallway, and I'm just double checking. I'm pan- I'm in full blown panic mode at this moment. Yeah, every parent would be absolutely. And I happen to walk by Joshua's room, and I see his foot sticking up between the bed and the wall, covered in a blanket. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, holy, you know, F word, I found him. And I run over to him and I jerk him up. He had cocooned himself in the blanket and slid between the bed and the wall and was completely asleep. Was like what? <laughs> he was only like four years old, at three or four. I mean, he was very young. And of course, everybody's relieved, and the system worked. Like the little village that we lived in, everyone was already out looking. I mean, I can't express how grateful I was yep. that everybody got that came outside. It's the dead of winter, and they're all looking around the neighborhood trying to find this little kid that they didn't know who he was. They just knew he was a little white kid. Um, and but Joshua, I, I still have an article, a paper from that time. The very first Amber Alert in Colorado was Joshua. Wow, <laughs> pretty crazy. It's All because he had went to sleep and slid between the mattress and the bed. I can't believe nobody was like pulling off the covers, like just to make sure well, they'd walk by and there wasn't any blankets on the bed, so they didn't even think about it. Yeah, you know, wow. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming, but that's where he was. Much to my relief. and Yeah, no kidding. I mean, whew, it was rough. And every single person other than your wife, I'm sure, assumed that everyone else had checked the room. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just one of those weird freak things, but they were like, successful test of the first Amber system. And I've got, I've got that paper somewhere. I'll, I'll bring it out and show it to you. It was pretty neat. Mm. Very neat. So anyway... By the way, I was working in a store once when something similar happened, only the child wasn't asleep. Um, Big Lots 106 in Lexington. The circle racks, the clothing racks. Oh, no. A child had climbed into the middle of one of those, just playing a joke on their mother. Oh, my goodness. And uh, the police were there before the child decided to come out and let everyone know where they were. Wow. And the mother, I remember, was just exactly like you said, in an absolute panic. Yeah. Mad, assuming, just accusing someone here stole my child. My yeah. child is gone. It's fight or yeah. flight, you know. Yeah. And by flight, I mean just full-on panic mode. If, you don't, if you're not accusing somebody, you're, what did I do? What could I have done better? Where's he, you know. Yep. It, it's, I can't even begin to explain the gamut of emotions that just wave upon you when you have a child that's missing. Yeah. I And I guess this is a parent like nowadays where all this stuff is coming out about, you know, sex trafficking and oh, all, yeah. all that mess. I mean, pizza gate. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, like when, you know, I, if I'm like at the store by alone with what, like one of my kids or all of my kids, I'm always like, look, that dude looks weird. I'm going to keep an eye on him just to make sure, you know. Just I bet he drove a van up in here. Having that situational awareness of like, 
All right, you have to. Who's around me? Like, that dude looks fishy. I mean, it, and it, you're kind of judging him, but also, you know, they may or may not be, you know, up to no good. Listen. And I've, I'd rather be, you know, on on edge than not. I firmly believe that we have a sixth sense. You know, it's not been proven. I get that. But our intuition is our sixth sense. And it doesn't necessarily even... Re- you should be situationally aware, even if you're not a parent. Absolutely. You know, if I'm walking down the, the aisle, you know, I'm a big dude, but I'm still looking at people and sizing them up everywhere. It doesn't mean I'm judging them. I, I don't care what color you are. If you're a white dude, a black dude, a Mexican dude. Yeah. Rich dude, poor dude. I'm looking at you. A lot of the things that we do is based upon, like, dress. Yeah. Their appearance. I'm watching you to make sure that you aren't, as we like to say, don't start none, so there won't be none. Yeah. And as a parent, that is a hyper. I think that's a, you become hyper efficient at that. Yeah. Well, even if they're, you know, if they're acting weird, if they're, seems like they're kind of following you in the store and like, they kind of go out the same, like Trulia's called me multiple times. Like, she's like, hey, just wanted to call you. There's somebody following me. Just wanted to be on the phone with you just to make sure, you know, everything's okay. And, yeah. And- I raised one child. That was scary enough. I can't imagine having three. Yeah, right. The, the biggest problem we're talking about people that we need to be aware of. The thing that always concerned me the most was my child was so adventurous that she wasn't afraid of anything. So right. she would go off. She would not make sure she was close to me. Yeah. If I had three like that, I can't imagine ever leaving the house. Yeah. yeah. My second, my my second oldest is exactly like that. Well. We'll be playing outside, and all of a sudden, she's like two houses down. Like, what are you doing? And she's one. It's like she's a wanderer. Yeah, but all of my kids, unfortunately, have that gene that I have, which means that they don't know strangers. They'll talk to anybody. Especially your youngest. Oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, he's now got a a daughter that's going to be the exact same way. She is so boisterous even at her young age you can just see it coming um and uh so yeah it it really makes you hyper aware yeah you know especially in today's world with yes pizza gate and it's a scary world today to be raising children in you and i've talked about how when when i was young uh there was drugs in school and everyone knew who the druggies were. Everyone knew the guys who were doing drugs and had drugs. And if you wanted them, everyone knew the, the, the five, six, seven, eight people that you could get them from. In today's world, it's not the bad kids. It's not the druggies. It's what item at the local convenience store is some drug that the Chinese are shipping here that is being sold in stores Listen, I, that our laws haven't caught up to yet and figured I, out that it's illegal. I had a conversation with the local principal, and he said, he told me point blank, because, you know, I put in I put three kids through our school systems here, four now. Right. And, you know, they've always known me as a person. If they call me, whatever the situation was, it's going to be handled. We don't play. Um. And we were talking candidly. We were off school grounds, met him in the store. He's like, you know, I could close my eyes during class change, uh, close my eyes and pull 10 people at random. Nine of those 10 are going to have some sort of TAC type product on their person. Yeah. Nine out of 10. And we live in Podunk. 
you know, a very small town, small town rural conservative Kentucky. Right. And and that you in in a school system that used to be in the top ten in the state. I it can't still imagine works pretty well. Yeah, and I can't imagine what that would be like in your urban areas or oh, yeah. your you inner know. city urban areas. Did you see yeah. and I know we've got we've got a huge topic tonight. We need to get into it, but I, I've gotta point this out because it is hard on my heart tonight. The video of the teacher's aide that took the kid's Nintendo Switch and he proceeded after class to beat her almost to death. You yeah, you all not seen see this that. video? No. I mean, this kid literally tried to murder her. And he was a foster kid. Apparently he had some mentally cha- he was mentally challenged in some way. I don't know what that way is. And the, the foster mom or the adoptive mom was he's challenged. He didn't know when to this kid tried to murder her. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's an issue. Go watch the video. Make a decision. Send us an email to... Newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about that. Now. Now. All that's out. <laughs> sorry. Horse removed. <laughs> Soapbox removed. What are we talking about tonight, That right? was an interesting uh, segue. I mean, we, we got the... With it, the Amber Alert, and we went all the yes. way. <laughs> well, that kind of happens when you're doing a podcast that's just, you know. But Area 51, man. Woo! Huge, huge Area topic 51. tonight. I like it. I like it. Talk I, about some rabbit holes. Yeah. Yes and no. Uh, I think the government here created a bunch of rabbit holes. Sure. Um, but we're going to get into that. Jerry, tell us how Area came 51 about. came about. Area 51. Well, I think it came about because uh, you said the government created to digress for just a second. The government created a lot of the conspiracy theories. And we've talked about that. Anytime that the government is not transparent and upfront and honest about anything, and it doesn't matter if it's the Phoenix Lights or uh, Roswell, when those things happen and the government isn't honest and upfront and they start changing their stories, the government knows that they are going to be causing people to, to believe who knows what. In this case, I really don't think they care. When you go back to the reason that this happened, Area 51 was created out of necessity for us to have somewhere to do our top secret research. Area 51 is a common name of a highly classified United States Air Force facility within the the Nevada Test and Training Range. Its official name is the Homey Airport. That's right. H-O-M-E-Y, the Homey Airport. My Homey! Absolutely. (laughs) Or it's also known officially as Groom Lake. Now, details of its operations are not made public, never has been, and probably never will be. As, as long as it exists, and it has so many things going for it, it's so good at what it does uh, that there's probably going to be, it's probably going to exist for hundreds of years. Now, again, as we said, that the details of its operations are not made public, but the United States Air Force does say that it is an open training range, and it is commonly thought to support the development and testing of experimental aircraft and weapon systems. We say that and we believe that it is, as we said, it's commonly thought because in the past we know that it was used for exactly that. 
Now, the site originally, before it was Area 51, was established during World War II, and it was a small airstrip known as the Indian Springs Air Force Auxiliary Field. There's a mouthful. <laughs> it served as an aerial gunnery range. In, in 1955, the United States Air Force, in conjunction with the CIA, acquired the site, primarily for flight testing the Lockheed U-2 aircraft. Now, the U-2 aircraft was a high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft designed to fly over Russia at 70,000 feet. It was designed for that particular purpose, not only to fly at that height, but over that country. It was designed to spy on Russia. Well, I just pointed out it had some of the best cameras oh, at absolutely. that time. Yeah. Absolutely. At the, on the, yeah, why well, fly over unless you can take yeah. some great photos, right? It's not a very good reconnaissance plane otherwise. Now, again, the 70,000 feet was, that number was there because they thought that that was high enough to get it above what Russian radar could even detect. President Dwight D. Eisenhower authorized the testing, which was to be conducted under the code name of Project Aquatone. And it was first tested at Groom Lake in August of 1955. And less than a year later, they began actually flying planes over the USSR. And it immediately became the most important source of intelligence on the Soviet Union, according to reports from the CIA that has since been declassified. And in May of 1960, the, the Soviets shot down a U-2 plane flying over Russia. They actually captured the pilot. And for the first time ever, they forced the United States to admit that we were spying. And again, this wasn't the, uh, this wasn't the only plane that we know about. We also know of several others, the U-2, the A-12, the Blackbird SR-71, F-117 Nighthawk. These planes were all planes that we know that were developed and tested there at the range. B-51B, or the B-2 bomber, I'm sorry. Yes. It was also tested there. Do you have a story for us about the SR-71? Oh, I do. So just pardon me, just give me give me just a couple of minutes. I always do the bonus story at the end and probably should attach this there, but this is too good. So the SR-71 by far has been the fastest production jet ever created. Ever. To this day. To this day. Um, and this story is from, uh, you had to be a certain rank, and this is Major Brian Schull. He's from the U.S., Air Force. He's retired. And he was telling this story. He was with a brand, he was the pilot. There was a brand new uh, comms and um, engineer behind him. It was a, it was a two-seat plane. Um, and they were, you had to have a certain number of hours, a hundred training hours every month or every two months or every six months, whatever, whatever the, so they were doing for what they call four corners. In a, okay. in a jet this fast, you could literally fly the four corners of the United States in an hour, you know, a couple of hours, which is just unbelievable. Yep. So um, Sergeant Shul and his new his new uh, engineer Walt was this was their first flight together. Um, and they were getting the training hours as a as a duo, as a tandem, and that's what they were doing. And he he always says, he says, I didn't know if Walt was going to be a good engineer or not. That's important in just a second. But basically, let me get through this story. Take like five minutes, and we'll get back to Area 51. So there were a lot of things we couldn't do in an SR-71. 
but we were the fastest guys on the block and love reminding our fellow aviators about it. Yeah, it's hilarious. I love it. Um, and we love to remind our fellow aviators of this fact. People often ask us if, because of this fact, it was fun to fly the jet. Fun would not be the first word I would use to describe to flying this plane. Intense, cerebral, maybe. But one of our, but one day in our sled experience, the four corners, we we would have to say the fun to be the fastest guys out there at least for a moment. It occurred when Walt and I were flying our final training sortie. Sortie, we needed a hundred hours in the jet to complete our training and attain mission ready status. Somewhere over Colorado, we had passed the century mark, and we had made the turn in Arizona, and the jet was performing flawlessly. My gauges were wired in the front seat, and we were starting to feel pretty good about ourselves. Not only would we soon be flying real missions, but because we had gained a great deal of confidence in the plane and in each other in the last 10 months, ripping across the Bering Deserts 80,000 feet below us, I could already see the coast of California from the Arizona border. That's just crazy, right? Um I was finally, after many humbling months of simulators and study, ahead of the jet. I was beginning to feel a bit sorry for Walter in the back seat. Where he was, there was really no way to view the incredible sights before us, and he was tasked with monitoring four different radios. This was good practice for him for when he began, began flying real missions, when a priority transmission from headquarters could be vital. It had been difficult, too, for me to relinquish the controls of the radio, as my entire flying career I had control of my own transmissions, but this was part of the division of duties in this plane, and I had to adjust to it. I still insisted on talking on the radio while we were on the ground, however. Walt was so good at many things, but he couldn't match my expertise in sounding smooth on the radio a skill that had been honed sharply with the years of fighter squadrons where the slightest radio miscue could be grounds for beheading. He understood that and allowed me that luxury. Just to get a sense of what Walt had to contend with, I pulled the radio toggle switch and monitored the frequencies along with them. The predominant radio chatter was from Los Angeles Center, far below us, controlling daily traffic in their sector. While they had us on their scope, albeit briefly, we were in an uncontrolled space. At, at that height, you're, it's uncontrolled. You don't have to radio in, tell people. No one else can get there. Yeah. Um, but the only reason we would have to talk to them is if we needed to descend quickly. Um, we listened as a shaky pilot, a shaky voice of a lone Cessna pilot, asked the center for a readout of his ground speech. As that shaky pilot of a Cessna, the first few times you talk to Tower, it's very intimidating. I just want you to know that. Um, and you would ask for ground speed to match what your instruments are showing you so you know that you are where you're supposed to be. So the Cessna pilot asked for ground speed, and the center replied, November Charlie 175, showing you at 90 knots on the ground. His speed. His speed. It's his speed. Yeah. Now, the thing to understand about center controllers, and it doesn't matter if it's in California at a huge airport, if it's at a small airport, all air traffic controllers are going to treat you like you are a 747. It is the way they are trained. 
They are not allowed to deviate from that. They have to speak to everyone the exact same. Um, once, it, it, and it doesn't matter if you're talking to a Cessna or Air Force One. They always spoke in the exact same calm, deep, professional tone that made somebody feel important. It was a Houston Center voice I referred to it as. I've always felt that after years of seeing documentaries on the country's space program and listening to calm and distinct voice of the Houston controllers, that all other controllers since then wanted to sound like that, and they basically did. It didn't matter what sector of the country, like I just said, you were flying in, they all sound the same. Just moments after the Cessna's inquiry, a twin beach piped up on the frequency in a rather superior tone, asking for his ground speed. And the controller said, I have you at 100 knots, 125 knots of ground speed. Boy, I thought, that Beechcraft must really think he's dazzling his Cessna brethren. And then out of the blue, a Navy F-18 pilot out of NAS, Lemoore, came up on the frequency. You knew right away it was a Navy jock. (laughs) Because he sounded very cool on the radio. Center, Dusty 52 ground speed check. Before the center could reply, I'm thinking to myself, hey, Dusty 52, has a, before he could respond, I thought that Dusty 52 has a ground speed indicator in the million dollar cockpit. So why is he asking for the center for readout? Then I got it. He's just trying to show up the Beechcraft. Um, He's the fastest dude in the valley today, and he wants everybody to know how much he's having with fun he's having with his new Hornet. The reply, same calm voice, Dusty 52 Center, we have you at 620 across the ground. And I thought to myself, this is a ripe situation as what? And as my hand instinctively reached for the mic button, I had to remind myself that Walt was in control of the radios. Still, I thought, It must be done, and in mere seconds, we'll be out of the sector, and the opportunity will be lost. That hornet must die, and die now. I thought about all that sim training, and how important it was we developed well as a crew, and I knew if I jumped in on the radios, it could destroy the integrity of all we've worked toward become a team. Somewhere 13 miles above Arizona, there was a pilot screaming in his head helmet. Then I heard it the click of the mic button from the back seat. And that was the very moment I knew that Walter and I had become a crew. Very professionally and with no emotion, Walter said, Los Angeles Center, Aspen 20, can you give us a ground speed check? There was no hesitation as the reply came, and it was like it was an everyday request. Aspen 20, I show you at 1,842 knots across the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I think the 42 knots that is what I like the best. So accurate and proud was the center to deliver that information information without hesitation. And you just knew he was smiling. But that precise point was the point I knew Walt and I were going to be really good friends for a really long time. When he killed the mic once more in his most fighter pilot like voice and said, ah, center, much thanks. We're showing closer to 1900 on the money. <laughs> Just one of my favorite stories. If you have ever flown Never or been that. around plane, um, that, that is always one of your favorite stories. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no. and hijack the show. but When you first 
started into the story, I started thinking, what could it be? That story come to mind, and I was wondering if I could find it when I realized that was the story. You were <laughs> the exact story. And if you, if you want to hear it much better, put uh, just Google Sergeant Soul. You can find a million videos of him. Yes, I actually, the video. He, yeah. Him actually, the audio. Yeah, but he's he does a great job. He does it. a much better job than I could. Yeah. I butchered it, but great, great story. I can just imagine the poor little Cessna guy like, yeah, take that, you big-ass hornet. Yep. <laughs> anyway. You always need to remember there's probably somebody a little bigger, a little tougher. So Star Wars had it best in episode one. There's always a bigger always fish. Always a bigger yep. fish, yeah. <laughs> Good old Liam Neeson. To finish up my segment, for the first time ever, the CIA publicly acknowledged the basic existence on January 25th, 2013. This thing opened in 1955. Wow. 58 years after it opened. Now, that was due to a Freedom of Information Act request that was filed in 2005. They complied, but it took them eight years to do so. If you want an idea of how secret uh, this place is, to what lengths they will go, it took them 58 years to admit that it exists. Yeah. And I think the, the argument is... Are they secretive because of their, you know, their research in these, you know, military weapons, planes, et cetera? Or is it because they have aliens? That's like the whole back and forth argument of. Well, it's not only that. There's a lot of different conspiracy theories of things that might. Not even just aliens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's more than aliens. Yeah, Yeah. there's time portals. There's uh, time travel, (laughs) Illuminati, underground bunkers. Actual alien bodies, alien ships. But as far as, yes, that's what we think possibly. Yeah, Before we'll get, that, Brett's going to tell us what we know for sure. What do we know for sure, Brett? Jerry, tell us everything Jerry, we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not much. Jerry, Jerry covered quite a bit of it. So one thing I thought was pretty crazy was, according to Nellis Air Force Base, uh, according to their website, the testing ground of Area 51 is the largest air and ground space available in the free world for military testing and training with over 12,000 square miles of airspace and over 2 million acres of land. So that to me is just insane that it's by far the biggest in the world. If you ever want to see something really cool, and I'm, I don't know, I don't want to step on your toes here. No, yeah. But Nevada by far has the most federally owned land of any state in the union. If you look at a map of Nevada and how much of it is federally owned land, Reno, uh, uh, Las Vegas, and a couple of other little bumps, and the rest of the state is federally owned land. So they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Let me add one more thing, too. As big as it is, they're not through. It's still expanding. Uh Somewhere on the Wikipedia Area 51 page, they cover the latest edition. There's a ranch, or was a ranch, a few miles away that apparently it's somewhere on the ranch had observation of some part of Area 51. And the ranch, it said, had been in the family's hands since the 1870s. And uh, limited domain. Limited domain. The government took it from them, bought it, you know, for whatever was determined a reasonable price. But it's still growing. They're still expanding. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, every time they figure figure out, oh, they can they can see some of this. 
But now, there was that, there was that one hillside where it, that had became you know yeah. you with a telescopic lens you could see a building exactly yeah they they that's like, no Bob more. Lazar talks about that doesn't yeah. he yeah and he get he took some friends up there on that hillside whether you believe Bob Lazar or not yeah some people here some people are doubters. very skeptical about Bob Lazar <laughs> it would not be me and those people would be wrong but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> some people be, believe Bob Lazar. And all his lies. I am, <laughs> I am not one of them. With his community college degree. Jerry, we heart you. I, I absolutely heart you. <laughs> no, t- you're right. You do. Absolutely. Thank you to both of you. Now, be honest and tell the people why. It's because I'm normally right. <laughs> well, I was going to say unbelievably sexy, but in this led, case. Led to. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words. You're welcome. Also, I just want to say I'm kicking Brett's butt in this challenge he gave me before the show. Yeah, so he's got a a bottle of wine that's probably two bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Steve, I challenge you to drink that whole bottle, and he's he's doing pretty good. He said, "Challenge accepted." <laughs> challenge accepted, little man. Let me show you a little something, something. I I don't know if Steve's gonna make it to his uh, his part of the. We're absolutely going to... My part's the fun part tonight. I'm I know. excited. His part's going to contain way more conspiracy theories You're the than anyone You're the one that said that you wanted about. me to do this part. So. I, did, I did want you to do it. So. All right, so let's do it. Let's go. So, I, Jerry, like I said, we don't know much about Area 51. Jerry covered quite a bit of it. But I'll just go through a timeline that CNN put together that I thought was really well done. So, as, as Jerry said, 1955, that's when Area 51 was created. CIA officer Richard Bizzle... Uh, who is overseeing the development of the U-2 plane at the time, first sees the site that will become Area 51 while on an aerial scouting, scouting mission. So him, along with three others, uh, agreed that the area would make an ideal site for testing U-2 training pilots. Uh, July of that year, the CIA begins using Area 51 to develop the high-altitude U-2 reconnaissance plane. Uh, other aircrafts are also tested at the site later. As Jerry had mentioned, uh, the Air to A-12 uh, aircraft and then the F-117. 1959, they started a ra- radar test facility at Area 51. October of 1961, in a letter to B- Bizzle, now the CIA's Deputy Director of Plans, uh, General Lyman Kirkpatrick writes that Area 51 appears to be extremely vulnerable in its present security provisions against unauthorized observation. Um, you know, we kind of talked about this with, you know, there's like hills that you can see what's going on over there. There's, you know, there, there wasn't as much security that there is now, like, so, you know, such as, uh, you know, cameras, motion detectors, things like that. The white Jeeps. Yeah, white Jeeps that are patrolling around with the, the guards. What do they call the, the camo? Yeah, the camo, camo brigade. Camo yeah. brigade or something like that, yeah. Uh, 1961, the first A-12 arrives at Area 51. 1974, Skylab astronauts actually came and uh, took photographs of Area 51. The images were reviewed by the National Photographic Interpretation Center and then removed from the rolls of film and stored in a vault. 1976, in a memo from the Deputy Director of Central Intelligence, E.H. Nock, to General David C. Jones, the Air Force Chief of, Chief of Staff at the time, the National Securities Council Committee on Foreign Intelligence approves the recommendation that management of Air 51 be transferred from the CIA to the Air Force by fiscal year 1978. 
Now, as Jerry was saying, all this all this time, the public does not know that Area 51 exists per the government. So there's speculations going on over all these years, but there's not official there's not an official statement that says Area 51 actually exists. 1981, Jerry's favorite guy, Bob Lazar, exposes details about Area 51. He claims to be working with physicists trying to back-engineer a downed alien spacecraft. The interview generates public interest in the base. So again, things are just starting to explode at this time. 1994, U.S. Air Force issues a report stating that the wreckage recovered in the Roswell, New Mexico, which we just talked about, um, they referred to, it's often referred to as the Roswell incident, consisted of a smashed part of the balloons, sensors, and radar reflectors from a classified government project called Project Mogul. Again, we talked about the last couple episodes. This is one thing I thought was really interesting. 1996, U.S. President Bill Clinton signed a presidential determination exempting the Air Force's operation, operating location near Groom Lake, Nevada, from any federal, state, interstate, or local hazardous or solid waste laws that might require disclosure of classified information concerning that location to unauthorized persons. So this was all in response to um, a citizen suit between former employees at Area 51 and the Department of Defense. This was their way of basically saying, hey, this is classified information. There's a reason that we, you know, that we're not, you know, following the uh, the codes, laws of the federal, state, and local governments. Uh, later on in 1996, uh, sorry, in, in April 2000, uh, a Russian-built satellite reveals views of Area 51 for the first time. Hey, Brett, real quick. That law that Bill yeah. Clinton signed, subsequently signed by George Bush. Yeah, you're right. And subsequently signed by Donald Trump. Yeah. And every president, president since. And, yeah. Basically, if you were to trespass on Area 51 and they shoot you dead, there's not an agency, a police law enforcement agency in the world that can come on that base and remove your body. So if they don't want you to be found, you're out. You're done. Your folks have no idea what happened to you. Yeah. And I, so I, that's a, how that's how secret this base is. Yeah. I, so I work for the state government, and I have a off air. I'll, I'll tell you a really cool story I just heard <laughs> a couple months ago about some government stuff with the, or with waste disposal. If you're one of our Patreon subscribers, <laughs> you'll tell you. <laughs> It's, it's well, pretty we actually easy. have to set that up first. I'm not, I'm not directly involved, but I, you know, overheard some conversations, and it's pretty interesting. So, anyway, I just but that yeah, was so, one of the things I saw that article, yeah. and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, two, this so place was, literally it. Wanda, Wanda, whatever Waller, uh, uh, Amanda Waller in Suicide Squad said a great statement. She goes, "We put them in a hole. We threw away the hole." This is the hole. This is the hole, yeah. You go in there and you you you're not supposed to be there. There's a very good chance that you will never be heard from again. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. You. No, yeah, yeah. Like like you said, 2003 George Bush signs the exact same thing. Uh, 2005 a Freedom Information Act request is filed by Dr. Jeffrey uh, Rickelson, who's a senior fellow at the George Washington University National Security Archive. Uh, they requested uh, information on the CIA's Lockheed U-2 plane reconnaissance program. So this is kind of leading up to 
the government's first acknowledgement of Area 51. Uh, 2011, journalist Annie Jacobson, uh, she wrote a book Oops. called Area 51, which was an, an uncer- uncensored history of America's top secret military ba- base. Um, 2012, funding for the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, which was the Pen- Pentagon's secret UFO office, ends. And the office spent $22 million over five years collecting and analyzing what they considered anomalous aerospace threats. 2013, like we, like we said earlier, the CIA published declassified documents which officially not acknowledged for the first time that Area 51 is a secret U.S. military site. And this was done through the Freedom of Information Act uh, with George Washington University uh, National Security Archive. Sorry, Brett. No, you're good. <laughs> Jerry knows what, what I'm laughing at. It has nothing to do with you. I wish we had video. <laughs> I'm glad we, we don't. Need, <laughs> we need to get some video. Anyway. I'm glad we don't in this instance. Yep. Okay, so I just want to bring it up. There, there is a smell in our <laughs> studio, and I'm trying to figure out where the hell it's coming it keeps, from. It's like lingering. It's like, it, it'll go away, and then it'll come back. <laughs> right. So, Steve just took his shoe off. <laughs> Tissue, and then gave the most god awful grimace that you've ever saw. So listen, I assume that the mystery listen. of the smell has been solved. Listen, so full disclosure, I'm wearing a pair of croc tennis shoes, so they're rubber or they're plastic on the inside, but they're closed, so they're like crocs with nowhere to go, and I'm pretty sure that's the smell. Just saying. <laughs> You need to do something about that. Oh, well, I am. As soon as everybody leaves, I think I'm off, take my socks off, and go shower. <laughs> Anywho, sorry. Oh. <laughs> the face that Jerry made, though, I could not laugh. <laughs> could not help but laugh. Anyway, yeah, right. Sorry. Back to no. you, Brett. No, you're good. I, and I, I guess I just want to talk about the, the events of 2019. So more than 1.5 million people said that they were going to attend a Facebook event titled Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop Us All, <laughs> pledging to ra- raid Area 51 in a quest to see them aliens. The post suggests that people run onto the site on September 20th of 2019 at 3 a.m. This, this did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, uh, so in July of that year, the day after this, this occurred, uh, Laura McAndrews, an Air Force spokesman, spokesman, says the government officials are aware of Facebook event. She says Area 51 is an open training range for the U.S. Air Force, and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces. The U.S. Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. you think it would have stopped there. But the Alien Stock Festival, uh, let's see. So... So fast forward to September 20th of 2019. 200 people did show up out of the 1.5 million. Um, and two people were arrested, according to the Lincoln County Sheriff. One of them was alcohol-related. One was a Canadian citizen that was arrested for indecent exposure. And one woman came close to crossing but was briefly detained and released at the scene. So they were basically saying, you can come, but we're ready to protect America's assets. Well, and you know, here's the thing. Any military installation is the same way. You can't go into a military base without 
Imagine um, doing that in the Pentagon. Yeah, no. Like funny story. I I, I mentioned that just for yeah, I funny story. You say that. Yeah. So Jerry used to live just outside of Washington, and I took the kids up there one year for you know to hang out with Jerry a little bit and to go to Washington okay. and show the kids the sights. We go to the Pentagon, and regardless of the fact that you can buy a blue million Pentagon picture postcards, what you cannot do is actually take a picture of the Pentagon. I didn't know this. I saw the sign after I took a picture of the Pentagon. Now, fortunately for me, it was on one of those little cheap plastic throwaway cameras because this guy who, I mean, we were alone. There was no one around us. He must have popped up out of a hole in the dirt. And that's the same story you told 15 years ago when it happened. He appeared out of nowhere. Nowhere. You can ask the boys. I took a picture of the Pentagon. I was like, oh, this is had the boys in front of it. Thought, hey, this is going to be cool. Uh, Dude pops out of nowhere, has a fully automatic weapon, a a freaking, what's that called? A flak jacket. He's like, uh, sir, I'm going to need your camera. You're not allowed to take pictures of the Pentagon. I'm like, uh, but, oh, okay. <laughs> and you don't argue with a guy with a fully automatic weapon, even though half my vacation pictures were on there. <laughs> um, Wait, can I just have some of those pictures? Right. He, he, he took it and was gone as fast as he came. I don't know where that dude came from. You know, no in this clue. case, like you said, it was cheap camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in days gone by, it would have been open the back, give me your roll of film. Right. In today's world with digital cameras, I, I don't know what they do. Because at that point, from the moment you take it, many of those cameras, if you have uploaded to the cloud, yeah. like, yes, automatically, instantly uploaded to the cloud. I'd say they take you in and make and you the camera. and the camera <laughs> and make you delete. I'm sure through. they have some protocol and... They, they know what they're doing. But it's not, my point is, it's not simple. It used to be just give me the roll of film. Right. In yeah. this case, give me the camera. But now it's not quite that simple. Yeah, I didn't. And, and here's the, 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 the truth upon truths. I didn't even see a sign until after he took my camera and the boys moved and there was a sign that said, no photography allowed. Yeah. They're serious about that. They are. <laughs> but any military installation. You know, you can't do that. Much less the Pentagon or Area 51. Listen, where we know that we are testing some of the most secret weapons. Right. Whether you think it's aliens or not. Yeah. Right. If, we're we're if testing. The true story Skunk is Works what they was say. based at Area 51 for a while. Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. Uh, they created the U 2. They Several created the F 117. They created the B 2. Well, Northrop Grumman did the B 2. But, yeah. you know, these places. These are things you don't mess with. Right. There Even are signs all around it in the middle of the desert that yeah, says, I'm not kidding. you're on camera, and if you take a step past this sign, we have the right to remove you with lethal force. Yeah. Basically. I've seen that sign one other time. When I was moving to Idaho, I used to live in Idaho, same company as I told you guys a little while ago. Driving up through, and I don't remember even if it was Wisconsin or Wyoming or Idaho. I don't know if I'd crossed into Idaho. Had to pee. Wasn't a gas station around for a million miles. Pull the butt. I'm in a a rider truck with my car behind it. I pull over. I hop out. And for as far as you can see, 
there were these like 24 by 24 fenced in areas with a pipe that comes up out of the ground, has a like a valve and goes right back into the ground. I didn't know what it was. Didn't care. Went up to the fence and I'm sitting there peeing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I look over at the sign and it says, uh, this is U.S. federal land. Uh, you are being filmed <laughs> and we have the right to remove you by any means necessary up into including lethal force. I never stopped peeing so fast in my entire life. <laughs> Got back in the truck and drove off as fast as I could. It wasn't until you know an hour later I pulled into a gas station and I asked about. It. Well, that was the strategic oil reserves. That's what that was. Oh, and I was like, oh, so I probably shouldn't have peed on the fence. Yep. That's probably why the guy was such a dick at the Pentagon. Yeah, <laughs> he had your like, record. Oh, this is the dude. This is that guy. This, this is the guy we've been looking for. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did we allow you to finish? No, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. Before Steve starts, one quick thing. You know, a minute ago when you guys were talking about me being so skeptical of aliens. And well, you that, should be. I mean, a healthy dose of skepticism is healthy. One thing I would add. Charlie Munger. Did you guys hear he passed away? Warren Buffett's second yes. in command. 100. He was one month shy of his 100th birthday. Passed away. One of his best-known quotes, very applicable to this situation. He once told Warren Buffett, well, you'll end up agreeing with me because you're smart and I'm right. <laughs> I would say the same to you, gentlemen. Oh, at least he said we're smart. It gives <laughs> me say big, we're smart. It gives me a big hey, He'll end up agreeing with me. Oh. So, <laughs> what do we think is that alien, Area 51? Yeah. That's the First fun of all, stuff, right? Let's talk about some things that Brett didn't talk about that we we don't know that to be but let's talk about the facility itself the facility itself like you said is growing exponentially uh first of all they've expanded it by i don't know was it 2000 extra square miles it was some ridiculous but now, you're not talking about area 51 you're talking area 51 the is a small Lake. part of the Nevada testing center right right that's what keeps growing exponentially yeah, they, they keep growing it. They 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 do test bombs. This used to be a, in in conjunction with the, and here's there's a couple of things that aliens get 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 keep get keep. Gosh, why can Thank you. Keep getting thrown out. And yep. there's a couple of reasons for that. A, it used to be it was attached to a nuclear test facility. Yeah. Boom. We would test the bombs there. That's where Area 51 came from. Right. Like, like, and, like and, and people were like, well, how do you test nuclear bombs there and still have a base? It's how the bombs were detonated. First of all, if you, we don't ever, just for a moment of clarity, <laughs> we don't hardly ever test a bomb actually hitting the dirt. That would remove any useful area for 25,000 years. Right. The way they do it now is they do a what's called an air explosion. It As it comes down and it's still in air, then they explode it. That way the, the residual isn't that. So this was a test facility for that, which we've covered in other episodes that nuclear detonations, nuclear explosions, nuclear anything yes. tends to draw aliens. Secondly, it's very well, and I won't say documented, 
But it's very well thought that the remains from Roswell and any other crashes typically go to Wright Pat in Ohio, and just outside of Dayton, for initial review. And then those remains, whatever, of the ship, of the beans, of whatever, are now shipped to Area 51 for reverse engineering. Um, Bob Lazar, on many times, said, and it's been corroborated with another, and I don't have his name in front of me, and I should have, Bad Steve, that in the sides of the mountains, there are hangar walls that are textured, and they look like part of the sand. Those come up, that's where our, the, the ships, or at least the tunnels that go down to the ships, are located. From 400 feet away, you wouldn't even know they were there yeah. with a naked eye. You have to know they're there to be looking for Jerry's looking skeptical. Yeah, and, and whether you believe Bob Lazar or not, you can't deny he's he's been right about a lot. And you can't deny that he's had access to some classified information that... We have a hard time explaining how you got a hold of Right. All right. Well, good for you, Jerry. Look at you being just on both sides of the fence today. I love it. That's usually where the truth actually lies, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're the chicken or the egg came first. It's the fence in the middle, right? Yep. I agree. So, um, most of people's understanding of Area 51 currently come from one source. You want to guess what that source is? The most accurate depiction probably ever of Area 51? The movie 1997's Independence Day. Really? That's where most people get... What we think of? I thought you were looking for accurate information. No, no, no. No. What we think of when we think of Area 51 is it comes from Independence Day. Sure. Um, Big bunker, basement... Crazy scientists down there doing experiments on aliens and alien ships. And Bob Lazar down there tinkering away, trying to figure out. Now, here's a couple of things that Bob Lazar talked about that we have to bring up here tonight. Now, we're pushed on time. We had a long episode last week, thanks to Clay Davis. He was awesome, good guest. Always love having Clay. Clay. Um, So we don't want to go too far over tonight, but I do want to cover a few things. Bob Lazar said... One of the first things that he was exposed to when when he first took the job there, if you can believe that he worked there, um, was a device that was sitting on a workbench that had a circle on top, like a a, a, a sphere on right. top of it. And the commanding officer said, go ahead, Bob, give that a touch. And Bob tried to touch it, and he couldn't. He physically could not touch the sphere because there was some gravity working against his hand that stopped him from working on that. Anti-gravity. Anti-gravity. And that was one of his very first, and I'm just going to, we're just believing Bob Lazar right now for this minute, just because he, as far as we know, has been in there. Yeah, and and as far as gravity goes, he... He came out and said in the 80s or, or 90s or whatever, he, he said that gravity was a wave, and that wasn't confirmed until 2015. There's a lot that Bob Lazar I said mean, that wasn't confirmed until the, I mean, the mid-2000s. And if he had access to some, some sort of device that you know could create its own gravity, 
He would he would have learned that. <laughs> and he made a very good point. If we could have this, and this is what I think Area 51 was designed to do. There are things there that our government doesn't want released until they're ready to release it. Without a mean, doubt. No meaning, matter where you stand. Even if that's alien tech or war tech or, you know, environmental suit tech, whatever that is that they're doing there. They're not going to let it go until we, or until they decide to let it go. Yep. And so let's let's go back to Independence Day for just a few seconds because there's a few lines in there that I think are very telling, and I don't think that those lines are just willy nilly stuck in there. Okay, here's a couple of things. The little Jewish guy, the the dad of Jeff Goldblum, says in there. Uh, after the president says, there's no such thing as Area 51 that's not been in the budget. And he says, and I quote, you don't think the government pays $29,000 for a hammer, do you? And he's not wrong. Black budget projects have long been a thing of the military. And they've been re- they have often been paid for by moving money around that shouldn't be moved around. Jerry, you specifically, we won't get into names, know that that happens. What? Without a shadow of a doubt. I worked at a private company for a little bit, uh, Corning, and there was a dude there who literally bought a Corvette with company money, and it got to five people before it was caught, (laughs) saying that it was some sort of something that needed to to be, uh, that the company needed. I. Yeah, I'm sure that happens in the government. Well, Jerry has a very specific case that he's aware of, and we won't get into details. We don't have permission to. But, Patreon. Uh, with Patreon. but um, <laughs> No, even then, I wouldn't get yeah. <laughs> So, But basically that says, hey, we didn't spend all of our budget. Can you do something with a couple million dollars? And it goes away. It yeah. disappears. They split it later, whatever. Half I, of that I, definitely I, pays for I'll, black I'll budget. I'll tell a little bit of it. Sure. I dated a girl for years. Her mother was... She had a six-figure salary working for a defense subcontractor she had for many years. She started off as a secretary. She never was a high, powerful position, but she was making $130,000, $140,000 at the time. She, over the years at this point, had, had been working in this industry for 30 years. She knew many, many people in the defense industry in government defense contracting jobs. Her job with the company she worked for was uh, budget, budget related. In many cases, she would get a call close to the end of the year with people saying, we have X amount of money left. $10 million. $10 million. Two, three, four million was more common. It has reached double digits. Here's, here's the thinking behind what they were saying. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, every organization did. If you were allocated $100 million, and you only spent 90, you would never get more than 90 again because you didn't need it. So you had to spend everything you were given or otherwise your budget was going to go down the following year. They made sure at the end of the year that the money was used somewhere. Several cases they would call and say, can you get rid of $3 million? There was an unspoken rule. They would need half back somewhere down the line. So at the end of the year, they would call. She would get calls from multiple companies. I've heard this woman tell this story many times. At toward the end of the year, she would be really worried about how they were going to cover the tracks on how many ever million dollars they had to hide. But the deal was, if they did it, they were only going to have to pay half of it back to the government. I, I've heard a similar story. Uh, a guy I go to church with, actually, 
Uh, he's long been retired from the city of New York, but he worked for the city of New York for a while. And yeah, his first year as a manager, they went around and was like, you know, evaluating the budget. You know, do we need any, add any more jobs? Everybody was saying, oh, we need this many more jobs. This many more. And he, he said, oh, we're, you know, we're doing good right now. And, uh, you know, went around the whole table. And after the meeting was over, a guy approached him and was like, you always ask for more help. Because <laughs> if you say that you're doing okay, you're never going to get more money. <laughs> You'd be it's lucky to keep thing. what you've got. It, you know, not to beat a dead horse, you know, we used to cover politics. We used to cover news. We used to, before we switched to this awesome, amazing uh, format we do now, that is part of the problem with our government. Sure. That is yeah, why we're thirty trillion dollars. That's tax, dollars, that's tax dollars, right that there. That is your money. They're talking about three million dollars, ten million dollars, whatever it is. I mean, one million dollars. I yeah. mean, that's so. Anyway, not yeah. to get on that part. Yeah. Let's get back to this and finish this up. Yeah. So basically, Bob Lazar thinks and believes and has spoken and has been consistent his entire life as far as what is going on in Area Fifty One. What's the research? Anti, you know, and there's that stupid smell again. Um, the, the, you know, reverse engineering, if you will, of alien tech. Even if it's not, that's what they think. Right. They also, we also know that all of that, um, the, the need for George Bush to make that, or Bill Clinton to make that law, was the fact that several people got sick and died there after, as a result of some burning of chemicals. Well, Bob Lazar talks about that. He says uh, the guy he worked with, Barry, uh, he, he had kind of mentioned that the dude that had been there before Bob Lazar, they, I guess they were trying to cut open uh, maybe the, the sphere or something like that. And he died. So yeah. That was why he was there to replace that dude. And, and I'm sure there was a lot of different cover-ups for... Thing, so, like that. one of my good friends who's a pilot goes all over the nation, and every time they're in, New, they're in Las Vegas, they send me pictures of the Janet Jets. We didn't mention Janet. So, Janet is an airline that if you ever fly out of Reno, is no, Las Vegas, I'm sorry, um, white jets, red stripes, you follow the tail numbers, all planes have tail numbers, it's registered to the United States Air Force, all day long, in and out of uh, Area 51. It's the civilian work population. People don't know if you go to the Janet Terminal, you will be kicked out. You will be forcefully removed if you ask too many questions. They don't play. Um, same thing with Area 51. If you go up on a motorbike, there's a couple of videos of some guys that tried to F around and find out, and they did. What happens? They they were treated kindly but if they'd taken a step or not turned immediately around, they would have uh, not been treated so kindly. Yeah. Um, people for long periods of time have thought aliens out of Area 51. Makes good sense. Most secret base in the world. And, and I don't want you to get the impression that it's a couple of hangars in an airfield. Area 51 is a huge complex. Yeah. Um, huge. Uh, there's multiple anger, uh, hangars that you can see, multiple different airfields. Jerry, one of the airfields you, you you pointed out in the picture was, what, three miles long? It looked to be 
four or five miles long. Now, not all of it was paved, but it is very, very long. Yeah. Much longer than the official description of the longest runway at Area 51. Right. And, and there's no reason for that. The only things that use a, a airfield of that nature, something like a space shuttle, yeah. something coming from orbit. Um, power space vehicles, yes. Not, it, not jet airplanes. There's yeah. no jet airplane that needs no. runways. Near I mean, we can land on an aircraft carriers for Pete's sake. <laughs> we don't need a, a yeah. five-mile runway. Um, so things of that nature lead to that conspiracy. You know, well, you have these people riding in on a plane. They don't live here. You know, they can't speak about it. You can't even get close to that terminal. Well, it's all separate. The whole name of uh, was, was a Paradise... Uh, Paradise Ranch. Paradise Ranch mm-hmm. was, it was called that to entice people to come to this. Because it's the middle of nowhere. They want people to come move there to work at this base. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and the the whole thing with like Bob was. I mean, he talks about like he he. Yeah, I was getting ready. You took the words out of my mouth. Bob Lazar was recruited there. If you can believe Bob Lazar, now that's you know fifty fifty people. He's a very polarizing figure. He, he's the most. Him? He's the most legit person that talks about area 51 I, in my opinion I, would you agree jerry i've not heard many people with claims anywhere near his so if you're looking for claims like that he's not only the most reliable he's one of the only ones in the world yeah. there's another guy that you mentioned i forget his name that has been able to corroborate some things uh, but there's just not many people and, and that's part of the problem also is why would you not cash in well, he's why not gained anything right i mean well he's I mean, if you look look at his, he's not really gained anything. Well, he's gained if anything, he's ruined his. Fame. I mean, yes, but but what not does monetary. fame do for you if you Books, don't if you don't make contracts. money from it? And he says that he has people camped out at his house all the time, like crazies, you know that that are like, oh, my gosh, all aliens, you know. It's it, he he did not come out on top of in this deal. Now, you know? I, let me throw this in. Uh, and I'll spend as little or as much time as you guys want. And since uh, I, I know who you guys are, it'll be very, very little. But <laughs> I can just—it has been most of what Bob Lazar has to say has been publicly proven to be incorrect. His educational credentials, one hundred percent fabricated. He did not go to MIT. He did not go to Caltech. He does not know the name of one fellow student. He does not know the name of one professor. He finally gave up one professor, supposedly, that taught at Caltech. Turns out that that professor taught at the local community college that we know he went to, and there is proof that he went to. At the same time, he supposedly was at MIT. There are several reports of people who have come out and said, I dropped Bob off at MIT. There's been zero reports of anyone that ever attended a class with Bob Lazar or any professor. He's never claimed he knows a professor at either one except for the one. That's what they want. (laughs) (laughs) The government's got the Jerry. He's compromised. Jerry must be compromised. What do they got on you, Jerry? If you guys want to read, (laughs) if you want to know more about it, look up Bob Lazar on Wikipedia.com. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't tend to be one of the more uh, I, yeah, conspiracy I, theory sites. Read that. I, yeah, I would question using Wikipedia as your source for. I, you got to take what. But they, instead, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt because I mean, yes, they are reporting on. They're reporting on what they know to the best of their ability. I'm sure, but also, his 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 records were wiped. There's no record of him being there. Whether you believe they're wiped, either place or right. 
Not only is there no record, there's he doesn't know any professors. No professors know him. He doesn't know any students. No students know him. Explain that. How do you go to... You graduated from UK several years ago. Yeah. If I asked, could you, would you have a hard time giving me the names of 10 fellow students that you went to school with? I could give you 10. Yeah. He can't name one at either school. I don't know about you, but as much as I like Brett and he graduated an engineer, he's not a rocket scientist. <laughs> if, if you if you were a rocket scientist, I'm pretty sure you're focused intently on the science of rockets, not Let me add one more friends. thing, and I'll, and I'll give up on the Bob Lazar smashing. Bob Lazar graduated in the bottom one-third of his high school class. Yes. What, proven fact. We yes. know this. Also, proven fact that Bob Lazar in high in early years of high school developed a rocket for his bicycle. No, yeah, I've never heard this. Oh, his, his car, right? No, for his bicycle first. Okay, and then, had a jet engine, and then he had a jet engine on his car on his bicycle, point, which is what got him the job at the reason. Yeah, yes, he tells that story, um, and that's in the newspaper. That you can you can look that up. That's verified. What's your That The whole thing about him having a rocket on his car. That was an addition. The reason I brought up he was in the bottom third of his high school class. MIT is uh, a very prestigious school. You're not going to go there. How right many the people third. have ever, ever. And Caltech, MIT, Caltech is Caltech another one. From the bottom third of their high school class, the answer is zero. Oh. Ever. Did you get in? Even me with my infinite wisdom. Your big brains. Of getting into what, either we, of those. So schools. I went to the same school. I went to the school in this town, Podon, Kentucky. There, I, I, I heard of a girl who she got a 35 in her ACT. Who was, Perfect score. It was, uh, you know, the valedictorian. You know, she's best of the best. She got waitlisted at MIT. <laughs> so I obviously, and I think where you come from, kind of, you know, has a, has a, you know, has something. To do. I have a, but I guess she would be a married cousin. I married into her being my cousin, who is an actual rocket scientist, who did not go to MIT. So what I'm saying is, are there whether he went or he didn't go, could be a moot point. Doesn't mean he wasn't at Area 51. I think he was at least for a short period of time. Here's the thing: I do believe he was there. Here's the thing that sells me on the fact that he actually was there. The element. Element 115. Yeah. Element 115, he brought out in the mid-80s. It wasn't publicly identified or even said to be created until the mid-2000s. That's a big deal. Really? I think okay, so. Then how big a deal is this? The other day, believe it or not, I was exposed to that plus <laughs> Element 129. Which really? will not be discovered and talked about for the next 150 no, no. years. I understand when that what happens, you're saying. Are they going to come back and say? I understand what you're saying. Okay. But he not only said that it was there, he explained how it was. The weight. And everything and how- that he described so far has not come close to being true. He says because we haven't been able to come up with an isotope that has a half life longer than a few milliseconds. He says Probably that will change. Agree. Everything he said so far has been. Not even in the vicinity of what we have been able to discover. There are a lot of elements with a lot of unstable isotopes. Oh, sure. So, and and the fact that we haven't found a stable isotope is not 
And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where they start talking over my head. <laughs> but I, I, it's, it's not. It's not. Un- no matter what you think of this guy, he still had evidence that we can't explain. He still had access to classified documents that we can't explain. I do believe that he was at Area 51 without a shadow of a doubt for a short period of time. He, by the way, was also convicted of running a brothel. I think that was, what, 1990 when he and his wife were convicted of running a brothel. Not what we expect most of our esteemed scientists to be Well, he had to make a living because he wasn't making money on being honest about Area 51. And Nevada is not really known for much more than prostitution. Well, Area 51, (laughs) they're known for that. I mean, yeah. But my point is this. I do think that there is enough things that he has said that has been proven to be categorically false that we need to take a strong second look. I'm not saying everything he said is not true. Oh, I agree. There are aspects of truth in what he said. He doesn't he doesn't just claim to be work at Area 51. He also claimed to work at the Los Alamos National Laboratories, which we talked about. And that last has episode. been proven. Yeah, it, he did he, work there. He worked he, he worked on nuclear weapons. And so No, he did not work on that. That's been proven. Do a little research on that. He so, was So why would he work there if he didn't have some sort of I mean unless he was a you know, goodwill hunting. Like I janitor. actually, I actually really like the fact that when on his first day, when he saw the first alien craft, he actually, in his interviews, says, "I thought this was all a bunch of hooey. I thought that was something we made until they brought me into my lab- laboratory and said, okay, now you get to reverse engineer that.' And it hit me odd." And, and I'm not, obviously, it's not verbatim. I've had a whole entire bottle and a half of wine. But he's like, um, I'm not verbatim, but he says, it hit me then, as much as I kind of thought all of that was like a test to see how I would respond to certain pressures. When I tried to touch it, I got yelled at, so I thought it was a fake. Um and then when they told me I had to reverse engineer what made that go, then it hit me that I'm into something that is is beyond Earth. And again, for not verbatim. And I get, you know, regardless of MIT, regardless of Caltech, the guy was a smart guy. He what? speaks like a he smart is. guy. Yeah. He is a guy. Yeah, if you, if you listen to him talk, I mean, he's obviously intelligent. He's um, not a he's not a dumb dude. I don't think he's become you know if you if if I were in that situation and I came out there would be a willingness to probably want to make money off of that and he's just not. Yeah. You talk about book deals and, and movie deals. Bob Lazar was convicted of running a brothel because he had to pay his bills. Not because he was a crazy horn dog who wanted to run a broth. Right. I mean, he was he was attempting to make ends meet. He was on Joe Rogan episode, the biggest podcast in the world. Right. He was on Joe Rogan, and the whole time he was like, uh, I don't know if I should talk about this or like, right. Like he was he was not like, oh yeah, I did this 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 this. Oh yeah, I'm so excited. To-. He was like. I, I don't know if we should talk about that. Let's not talk there, about that. After he came out and said that he saw alien spacecraft, yes. alien bodies, yes. and he worked to reverse. I think all the 
Big stuff has already been turned over. But all of the big stuff is already, we all kind of already assume that. that. Right, that was brought up in Roswell, like alien bodies and We already assume that. that. Even if it's classified, the majority of America assumes that. And it doesn't negate the, the, the government of the United States to agree with something we already assume with. Classified or not. What do you mean it doesn't negate the government? Because that just adds to the fuel of the fire because of the skunk works that they are doing there that we know. I mean, I don't see any scenario where we're not reverse engineering technology to make stealth bombers. To make Here's what gets me. We believe that there are aliens who have the technology to travel through time and space with technology that we haven't dreamt of. Yeah, right. But yet they continue to come to Earth and do what? Crash and leave a bunch of their crap laying around and a a bunch of their bodies, dead bodies (laughs) lying around. That's a great point. This makes common logical sense to you guys? These people... Great point. Furthermore, some of these people, when we look at the Carusos and the Bob Lazars, Caruso actually claimed that we were at war with these people and beat them. He claimed that we no. were at war with See, extraterrestrials now, I, and so beat them. The thing with, uh, was it Corso? Corso. Yeah. The thing you with keep Corso, saying Corso. Corso. Yeah. I, Corso. I, I agree with you on Corso. Because he had something to gain at that point. Like, he was releasing a book. This is something that he could make money. Bob Lazar is very different in the fact that he, I mean, you're right. He does become more famous. But with that fame, I mean, he, most people are th- saying he's full of shit. He's not going to get... You know, he's not going to get any jobs after that. Exactly. He tried to monetize this. The book deals and the movie deals went away when it almost most of the major facts that he's claimed has been either proven to not be true or he has zero evidence. Earlier you mentioned about we had to look at Wikipedia and all of their sources with a grain of salt. I agree. But instead, I'm supposed to be believed Bob Lazar no, you, you with to, zero proof? I, I agree. You have to, yeah, you have to look with everything in you know, the grain of salt. I just listening to him talk, though, it's he like, like you were like you were saying earlier. It's hard to listen to somebody talk like that and just assume, like believe that they're just straight out lying to you. You know, I agree. It, but at the same time, there, there's things we know that he's not lying about. There's things we know that he has that he shouldn't have. Classified documents. So, I, I th- guys, I'm not saying that nothing he said is true. I'm just saying we have to take a strong second look at what he said because there's things he said we know aren't true. Did you guys? Did you? So Steve, did you hear about the where he talked about? Um, it he, he was saying at least one of the spacecraft he remembers the the guy he was working with. He claims he worked with Barry. Uh, he, he talked about one of them was an archaeological dig. So he was saying that they believed that these aliens had been around for a long time. They weren't. They weren't just. You know, New. very recent. It was right. they've been around for a while. <clears throat> but, but he was saying case, he, they, had, they had like nine spacecraft, and just the fact yeah. that only America has these spacecraft—that's not true. In fact, one of the things that both of you guys, um, and I think this was the real reason for Area Fifty One's initial creation above the YouTube, but. Above and beyond the YouTube? Past the YouTube. You know, yeah, we're going to use it for Skunk Works. We're going to develop and... But here's the other thing. In roughly the mid-90s, 
there was an Iraqi pilot flying a MiG jet that had received orders to bomb a target involving children. And got lost. No, no. Involving children. And absolutely chose not to do it. Instead, flew to Israel with his MiG, landed, asked for asylum, got his asylum. They They smuggled his family out. And guess where the MiG ended up? Area 51. Area 51. For us to reverse engineer, for us to figure out the flight capabilities of the MiG-21 so that we could then develop a ship or a plane to immediately and discernibly eliminate the MiG-30, and I think it was a MiG-31 threat. Because at that time, they were a legit air superiority jet. So if we could take that, Away from them, weapon one in the Cold War. That's one of the things that uh, is very, that we forget about. You know, that there was a lot of that. There's been several of those that ended up. In one case, uh, a MiG from Syria went up for a mission, got lost, and accidentally landed in Israel. And they ended up giving us possession of that. And we did a lot of testing on it. And this is back before the 90s. And that was when we figured out that it was much slower than ours, but turned on a much tighter radius. It maneuvered much better. And it changed and actually led to Top Gun. Yeah. That's... Have you, have you guys heard of John Boyd? Seems like. He's, he was like, he revolutionized aircraft. Like, it, the, the manual he came up with is, like, used worldwide. I recently read his book, and he he kind of talks about he was like a pilot in the Vietnam War, I believe, um, with the Air Force, and then he actually did a lot of work with the Marines. Um, I think he I think he was involved in the F sixteen or I I can't remember, but um, basically he revolutionized aircraft for the United States and really the world. But anyways, that that's a good read if if you ever want to read. Uh, it's called Boyd. Anywho, so I think that there's a lot to this. There's there's so much much to Area 51 that we have to just at this at this point. I think we just need to vote. Does Area 51 receive more or less coverage according to us? Jerry's rolling his eyes. No, I'm I'm so. uh, What's the word? Pumpkin flu. I'm so conflicted. Uh, inside joke. Yeah. Because here's what. What is it we want to find out? Exactly what's going on there? Do we really? Do we really want to take the United States' best military secrets and make it public knowledge? I don't. I, I think it needs to 100% stay. And I'll go a step further. I'll be honest with you. I don't think the United States government really cares about what how many conspiracy theories there are about Area 51. I don't think they care as long as we're talking about little green men and spaceships from outer space. As long as we're not talking about what's actually going on there, I don't think they could care less how many crazies like Bob Lazar are talking about Area 51 and the aliens. I really don't think they care. I, so from I'm that gonna, standpoint, I would have to say no. Sorry, I'm going to partially agree with you. I Partially. So I, I think that... Part of what you said is is exactly right, and I, I think that if we had alien technology, would I want the whole world to know that we have alien technology? No, 
I would sure. because if if we have that technology, we can potentially reverse engineer that to protect our country. Absolutely. Do I want Russia and China to know that? No, I don't. I, I don't. So I, there is that point of, but also if we know that there are is life outside of us, would I want to know that? Yeah, I would. So Personally, sure. it, it's it's kind of like a, I'm kind of in the middle here because your pumpkin flew too. I right? could I could see I could see both sides of it. What do you think, Steve? Well, first of all, the CIA thinks that it's important enough to insert operatives into the UFO and the UFOlogy to further give us poor information. Rick Doty is a good example. Rick Doty was has been on Ancient Aliens. He's been on pretty much the entire scene. Comes across as a very believable young man, or young man, I say, but he's not a young man anymore. As someone who has come across as a believable source, um, and has come across and said initially, I was a CIA, CIA operative, and it was my job to fool you guys. Okay, and then later came across and said, I was a CIA operative who came out to fool you guys, but now I want you to believe me because I know that some of this is fact. Take that for what you will. The point is, um, to your point, do we, I, I, I hearken back to last week, and here's, here's, here's how I ultimately come down on it. For us to have our weapons pointed at each other in a galaxy and a universe as big as it is, is asinine. Sure. Um, the fact that we think Russia, now do they affect our way of life on a daily? No, but could they? Maybe. There's a very Tell real possibility, you know, in the 40s that if we didn't intervene, that half of Europe would be speaking German. That being said, humans have got to get past our in, our, our specific differences because I firmly, 100%ly believe that there's more out there. Yeah. And we, as a human race, should be preparing for that day, not the day that we're concerned about what we're talking about, mad. Mutually assured destruction. Yeah, ridiculous. There's more and more evidence every day that comes out through archaeology, through what we're learning about our Earth, that there's already been civilizations that have destroyed each other and pretty much wiped themselves off the face of the Earth. And we've got to be smarter than that. We've got to be smarter than them. We have tech. We literally, between Russia and America, have enough nuclear weapons to eradicate humankind. Off of the face of the earth. Yeah. Possibly the earth itself. Yeah. Possibly Thir the earth. 13 itself. times over. So, does Area 51 contribute to that? Eh. If there's a possibility that there's disclosure in Area 51 that we can have proof that there's an alien. I think Ronald Reagan said it best. In an address to the UN, he said specifically, and, and words we've talked about on this show are important. He said, imagine what it would be like in today's world if we knew, if we had evidence 
that there was another something in the universe other than us and how quickly our differences dissolve yeah. if we know there's a threat from outside of our world. You but do we not already know that? He went through the, the, the mathematical odds a few weeks right. ago. So, yeah, right. Here's how many... Right. What was the number of zeros we're talking I mean, about? It's, it's like 25 or something. Or, so I think, and, and at this table, we all believe that there's aliens. There's, there's, there's other life. There's got to be. There's got to be other life. But I, I agree. Like, you look, you talk about Independence Day. Like, all the the whole world's coming together to defend against this. And you, th- you think about Star Trek the same way. It's like Starfleet. It's it's to defend Earth. Like, the Earth is coming together. But do you think that happens just because we know that it's out there? I yes. think we already know it's out there. And, and it's the, not happening. The thing is, is like, we always think of it as like, oh, they're coming to destroy us. Well, maybe they're coming to save us. Like, and like we said... If they wanted to destroy us, they could have done it a long time ago. I mean, yeah. My whole point of bringing all that up, pretty simple, because we're at an hour and 30 minutes (laughs) already, is just to say that if there's proof there, if the government has proof of aliens, I mean, they've already started disclosure with some of the videos that they've released from the Navy Navy jets. Tic tac and all that. Tic tac and go fast and. That that process has started. So, from that perspective, given regardless of how you feel about Bob Lazar, regardless of how you feel about Skunk Works, regardless of how you feel about anything that's going on in Area Fifty One, if there's proof and we we can use that to unite the world, absolutely thumbs up. I go against. I, I would agree. There's too many assumptions involved with that. Well, yes. if we can use it anyway. to unite the world. Huge assumption. If if you come out and the United States, the most powerful government in the world, and say, oh, here it is. Here's your alien spaceship. I think we already know that that exists, whether it's been here or not. But there's a difference between we know it exists in the back of our mind and and there it is. Right. I I, I would agree with that. Honestly. Yeah, because there's still that. that, Plausible deniability from 90% of normal people who don't give a hot crap that there's aliens because I'm trying to pay my bills and, and put food on my table. Yeah. Have you ever been to a family get-together, Thanksgiving, Christmas, for, let's say, 10 consecutive years or more, and you can tell me that there was no disagreements, no arguments at one family's table? If you can convince me of that, at one table, at one family's table, for one meal. Have you met my family? <laughs> then I might begin to believe that it's possible to unite the entire world for one common cause. But if you can't convince me that we can do this at one Thanksgiving for 10 years in a row at one family's table, then no, we're probably not going to unite but the world with proof of something that we already know exists. That's a, that's a great point, because, I mean, you think of America... We're not united right now. <laughs> and we're one country of many. So, yeah, I agree. What is that? They're here. <laughs> the CIA has just yeah. arrived. Either Be prepared. The, FA, the FBI has the banged out our door. If there's no episode next week, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I think that we need to know more about Area 51. I'm giving it... 
a thumbs up and a thumbs like sideways. I want too. I'll, I, I'll give it a thumbs up as with a lot of conditions. Yeah, can't I, I would agree. Endanger the United States national security. I just want to say that Popular Mechanics believes in a Popular Mechanics article. Good. Yeah, the they believe Area Fifty One is now a, a a a ruse. They do things there to throw it. It's the right hand, so you don't what? see what the left hand's agree. doing. That's and that the left hand has been moved to somewhere in Colorado Springs. Just want to throw that out. Gotcha. Guys, appreciate you. Stick tuned for the uh, call to action. Stay tuned for the bonus story. Man, that episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448-908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227-262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, awesome ghost stories, or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthywithstephenjerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540-709-1318. And now, back to the story. Tonight's bonus story comes to you courtesy of Weird Kentucky, a wonderful gift I got from one of our listeners that continuously feeds us wonderful short stories. Tonight's short story takes place in Mason County, Kentucky, which is in the very northeastern corner of the state, and it's called the Albino Ape Man of Mason County. If Bigfoot is an ape-like creature, he doesn't always come in ape-like colors. In October of 1980, Charles Fulton and his family were watching television in their Mason County home. They heard a loud thumping on the front porch and along along with the sound of a distressed chicken. Fulton picked his, peeked out his front door and found himself staring face to face with a white, hairy, pink-eyed creature, approximately 400 pounds and 7 <laughs> feet tall, clutching a rooster in a massive hand. The creature had long, white, flowing hair like a horse's mane, Fulton described it as more man-like than animal, although its eyes lacked human intelligence behind them. Fulton chased the intruder away, firing directly on it with a a .22 caliber pistol as it ran out of sight. Less than a month later, an Alabama truck driver named Noble Clay was hauling a load of steel through Mason County. He slowed as he saw what he thought was a person standing in the road in the opposite lane. As he got closer, however, he realized the figure was an enormous ape-like creature with white fur, similar to the critter 
Fulton had encountered in the area just a few weeks earlier. Clay contacted locals on the CB to inquire if there was a zoo or a circus nearby that had lost an albino ape, then reported the incident to police. This was his first time driving this particular route, and he knew nothing about the prior albino ape-man Bigfoot sighting. Just crazy, crazy, crazy what goes on in Mason County, Kentucky. When was that? 1980. 1980. Long time. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.